sitting with a portion of a poem from Wendell Berry called Wild Geese, where he said, And we pray not for new earth or heaven, but to be quiet in heart and in eye clear. What we need is here. And I noticed tonight, uh, just reminding myself by reading this passage and, and reminding you that, uh, that what we need is here. And it was, it was especially, uh, it was a little surprising, I, I should say, that when I came into the room tonight, I was um, completely exhausted, underslept. I was having an allergic reaction to something in here. My eyes were watering. I was starting to feel a little bit of heavy in my, in my chest. And then I sat with you, and I said, what we need is here. And so I just sat in the middle of it. And, and even though I speak of this all the time, what we, I, I say this, I'm, I say the same thing every week. What we need is here. And so I just took my own medicine and started just tuning in to the life of the present moment and gathered my attention here. It's what I, I put my attention on the body as I was inviting everyone else to the gentle movements of the breath and sounds, whatever it was that presented itself. And then, naturally, in the course of practice, the, there was a shift, a shift to not simply being aware of the objects of awareness, but being just aware of being aware, awareness itself. And the more that, that awareness became home and, or the objects of awareness, they revealed themselves the objects of awareness, were it was so obvious that they were not separate from what was being aware, that objects and awareness are, there's, they are, they are a, an inter, they are, there's no dividing line between what we know and what it is that's knowing it, right here and right now. The more I did that, the more I started to um, feel awake. And by the end, I was, I was literally, I felt as though I had kind of reconnected with, the, with life, with that, what I like to call an inexhaustible resource that is really the very nature of our minds. That we are, we, we have, what we need is here. We have absolutely everything as our own nature uh, to be awake, to be free, to be at home to be at ease in this very life. And it is amazing to me that, uh, that I can forget. It's amazing that all of us forget or overlook the most obvious fact that our own present awareness, our own attention, is the very thing that we are seeking. We get so obsessed, at least I, I think I can generalize, so obsessed with being on a path and learning how to pay attention and learning how to know the breath, learning how to know the, the, the body, learning how to know the moods, that we sometimes forget what the Buddha actually realized when he was sitting under the Bodhi tree. The Buddha paid attention. He became a master of paying attention. But when he, eventually he saw that paying attention 
was a, at least put him in the same location as, as his body. It put him in touch with reality, which is always present. But then he realized, as he saw the whole display of mind and body, thoughts, images, sensations, moods, everything appearing and disappearing with nothing in, on the path that one could cling to or hold on to, no experience that, that he had, no, no high, no low. There was nothing that could be clung to he had a realization that the only thing that was reliable, the only thing that was always already here was the very nature of the mind. And some would say the very awareness through which we are perceiving. And it is, it's you. Before you can, before you can describe yourself, this is, it's so close, nearer than your face, so obvious, yet it is um, so easily overlooked that we do not need to go anywhere. There is no path to freedom. There is no path to freedom. The freedom surrounds us in every instant as the very nature of our minds. So the language of path, I may have even said this last week, I don't know. The language of path is really about noticing all the things that obscure this natural freedom. That's what a path is. Path, the path is our confusion. That's what it is. And... So this is another line that I like to share every week. I'm not going to speak for too long tonight, but I'm kind of, I'm, I'm awake now, so <laughs> this is it's coming to me. Every week, I, I, at least on Tuesday night, at least once every few weeks, and, and probably several times a week, I even I think about it or say it to somebody. That very simple, pithy expression from the Buddha where he said, uh, whatever one frequently uh, dwells upon becomes the inclination of the mind. Whatever one frequently dwells upon becomes the inclination of the mind. And I was, when I think about this, I think about how many of us actually, I know there are people in this room that, that do frequently dwell upon, the, dwell upon being aware being aware of being aware. But most frequently, if we were to ask what we most frequently dwell upon, what is it? What do you put your attention on? To me, to me the definition and the practice of mindfulness is being aware of what you put your attention on, of where it is you frequently dwell. And most of us are frequently dwelling in our desires, does that seem to fit a large portion of us? We need to, we dwell frequently on our relationships. Fair enough. We d- d- we dwell frequently on uh, our dissatisfaction. 
That's fair enough as well, too, because we feel it. But we often don't dwell on whatever we dwell on consciously. We don't dwell on it with, with full attention and clear comprehension. So mindfulness is about knowing what you're doing with your mind when you're doing it. And that changes everything. If you notice that you are dwelling obsessively about a person that is not present, if you know that you are dwelling on what on some kind of frustrated desire you have with that person or some kind of sense that you're experiencing some kind of wounded pride, if, you, if that's going on unconsciously, you are going to be progressively more and more irritated. But if you notice that you're doing that, there is within the quality of being aware of where you are placing your mind, there is love, there is compassion, there's intelligence that says, careful here. You're losing touch with reality. The other thing we talk about every week here is that reality is really not so complicated. Reality is it accompanying all of our situations and all of our life dramas. Really, right in the middle of it, reality is simply six experiences happening over and over again. There's really just the seen and what's being seen, the heard and what's being heard, the smelled and what's being smelled, the tasted and what's being tasted, the felt and just what's being felt, the cognized or the thought about or felt, the emoting and what's being emoted. And that's all. That's the bare reality of what's happening. And it's so natural that we would... uh, because of the level of disturbance, both in our minds and in our world, it's easy to get jangled and lose touch with the six experiences. And we start to mistake the six experiences we're having, or we mistake our big drama, even the drama of the world, for the six experiences. And we take the drama of the world being, as being reality, our own world, our own life, and in that, we, none of us feels good. We don't feel well. We don't feel, we don't, I don't feel as though that I can be useful when I'm caught obsessively in any one of these things. But when I notice, when I step out of the, the, house, the, the mind house for a little bit of time, the thought house, the world that I create in my mind. Remember the Buddha talked about the creation of self as he said, Oh house builder, you shall you should not you can't build a house again once he saw what his mind was doing. He said, Your rafters are broken, the ridge pole destroyed. Rafters is are all the uh, defilements, all the things that, that torment us, all the things that we obsess about all of our desires, all of our aversions, all of our irritations, all of our, uh, all of our uh, unfulfilled, um, even our unfulfilled needs, seemingly what we think we need, even though what we need is here.
What we really need is here. Not here on Tuesday night, Sangha, that's all good too, but what we need is to realize um, the natural freedom that's always and already here. It's so close, it's so obvious that we don't need to go anywhere to find the relief that we're looking for. Another thing that I've shared over the years many times that's coming to mind right now is the Tibetan teaching that, uh, that describes why we, why we miss this open secret, why we overshoot, why we get so caught on the path of going somewhere, how, why we keep constructing that world of the, of the meditator who's meditating on objects to try to get somewhere try to get to liberation, but forget that what the Buddha realized was liberation was the nature of his mind. Why do we do that? Why, why do we stay in that prison of even becoming in, liberated? That's its own prison. I'm going to get enlightened. I'm going to be the first one. Why do we do that? Well, the Tibetans say that our mind falls into... In, and all of this is quite innocent, so we have to be merciful about this. But our mind, we have, there are four faults that we fall into. The first fault is that one of the reasons we don't recognize uh, that, that our own, the, the awareness through which we're perceiving our own mind is, is the Buddha, is because it's too close. Can't believe that we don't have to go anywhere. It's too close. And then the second fault is it's too vast. It's really, when we realize how big we are, how vast we are, how inseparable we are from everything, how we have never, ever, for one moment in truth, been apart from the flow of life, that we are constantly being moved and moving everything, and that our thoughts even affect the plants and the flowers, and everything is, is impacted. And, and that, of course, means that every person that is harmed harms us. Every person we harm, we harm ourselves. So it's too vast, we can't fathom the, the depth of our, of our interbeing, the depth of our connection with all of life. So it's too close, it's too vast. The third one, it's too wondrous. It's too amazing. Can't believe that, that freedom, that liberation is the is the natural state of our mind before we can think. But including when we think, if we notice it. If we notice a thought, it has no substance. It, it's, we see that a thought self-liberates. If it goes unnoticed, as Dujim Rinpoche put it, if it goes unnoticed, it spreads out into ordinary thinking, which he describes as 
that it forms the chain of delusion, and we just get lost in our imagination. But if it's if it's recognized, then everything is everything is an aspect of liberation. Everything. So that's just too wondrous. We can't believe it. Can't believe it. And last but not least, so we've got it's too close, it's too vast, it's too wondrous, and finally, it's too easy. We can't believe that all we have to do is turn, realize, the natural freedom of of being conscious, being aware of being aware. So we start where we are. We start where we always are. We end, as I said in the instructions, we'll end where we are. But because we have, are so habituated to following a path, to needing to go somewhere, to feel as though we're actually progressing. Any of you ever think about that? Because we need that, our psyche needs that, our psychology needs that, we start with putting our mind in our body. We start with mindfulness of our body, mindfulness of breathing. We gather, as we talked about last week, we create the conditions for a calm abiding, for some concentration. But then our whole, the whole of our practice is to notice where we are, what are we frequently dwelling upon. What are, we, what are you doing with your mind today? Whether you do it for an hour, notice where your mind goes, or what are you doing for the whole day? What is your, where is your mind? And in that process... Not only will you learn what you frequently dwell upon, but you will naturally begin to, to apperceive, to, to sense the, um, the essence of all spiritual practice, which is to realize that, that, uh, that you are that which you are looking for, that you're already and always here and now. And aware. That's the simplest thing that you can say about yourself. Some would call that the Buddha. Buddha simply means awake. So if I asked you, as I often do, to stop being awake, stop being aware, you're likely to, to realize in a moment, oh, I can't. And then if you get interested in what that means to be aware, what is that? You might see that that, um, that aware is, it's clearly, you can't, you can't not be aware. You could, it can become cloud. the sun can become clouded by, by um, storms and mist and fog, etc., but you can't not be. The sun is still here. So it has, so it's completely unconditioned, unconditional. 
just being aware. And you can, if you're, if you take an interest in this being aware, you can sense that it doesn't have any height. It seems to go all the way to the ceiling. Everything in this room. It has no depth. I mean, it has no, has no height, depth. Has no color or shape. It has no inside. It has no outside. It's free. You can't put a price on it. It's partly why the Dharma is given freely. You can't put a price on it. And and it really is your. Um, it is. It's your home. It's home base. And it's it's relieving to be aware. Anybody having a have a different sense of this? Don't believe what I say. Please. When you remember to be aware. You don't you don't take the the chatter so seriously anymore. Yeah, and how long does it take you to do that once you wake up to where you are? And what happens to the chatter anyway? Seems extraneous. So if if you're aware, then chatter is just chatter. Chatter is chatter. So that's why, that's why, at least I like to say, is first things first. Let's find out what freedom is all about. Let's find out what... Let's just not be too busy getting on the path. Remember, the whole point is to get off the path. Now, I, I'm speaking about the path in a way tonight that's, that may get the wrong, create the wrong idea. The, the Eightfold Path is a beautiful thing. But it requires that you go how far? You know, we say all the way, chariot to nirvana. But where's nirvana? How far do you have to travel? Why do you not practice during the day? Why is it so hard to find a space to... Well, I think that this is part, this is what the path, if there's a path, it's to seeing, seeing our confusion. It's seeing where we frequently dwell. Where is our attention? What, where's your, where is your priority? What are you giving more importance to? And of course, we have we we're, we all have competing demands for our attention. There's no doubt about that. But there is a lot of space in there to notice what we're doing, and it's really a matter of of 
of the value. Often it takes it takes realizing the real as I've thought about it in the past and said it takes a certain level of getting completely sick of yourself. Seeing you're basically becoming a member of what we call the Dukkha Club, where you've given up hope of a better past. You've given up hope for something. You've seen that, that freedom or peace is an inside job. It's not going to find, it's not going to come from acquisitions. It's not going to come from experiences. It's not going to come from another person. You have to almost know that in your bones to really stop and then, and then take, take to, to heart, take into your heart uh, that, that, as Derek Walcott says, you will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself to the stranger who has loved you all your life whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. So take down the love letters from the bookshelves, the, the desperate notes, peel your own image from the weary. So you step out of all your ideas and you, and you feast on just being present. And then you realize the more moments of being present, you say, oh, it's painful here, it's pleasurable here, it's hard here, but it's, it's, this is everything. This is enough. This is, um, this is inexhaustible. This is, I'm being, I'm feeling fed by this sense of immediacy. And what did I do? I didn't, I'm not out seeking experience. I'm just being present and everything is being granted right here. I don't mean every pleasurable thing in the world. I mean everything that I really need. I have no needs in a moment of awareness. Everything's been granted. And then all I can do, if, if I really take it to heart, is, keep, as one poet put it, is just keep checking out the implications of my, as I think he put it, implications of my fullness. And then I see that in when I'm present, I'm, I'm not anything that I can really describe. I'm kind of nothing. But as Nisargadatsa, or as uh, Kala Rinpoche put it, but being nothing, I'm everything. Wow. How wondrous, how vast. Um, and I, you know, we don't need, to, don't need to be so compulsive about getting somewhere. So that when you realize that the path is, is still happening, I still have to deal with all the shadows and all the greed and hatred. You know, I'm, I'm into sports. In the last uh, retreat I led, one of my colleagues outed me as a, as a person who's obsessed with one particular sport. I'm not going to get into it tonight. <laughs> but, um, but, the, but this is a... But this is a it turns out that this sport, because I really like it, it's, um, it, it is a fertile ground for all kinds of identity view, all kinds of ego, all kinds of reactivity. 
And it's amazing. For all I know about the Dharma, for all I'm spouting right now, I'm a complete mental case half the time when I'm playing this particular sport. Because it, it just brings up the stuff. You don't have to go anywhere. Sitting with people all day, all kinds of things come up. Um, dealing with my family, everything comes up. But at this point, there is no impulse in me to search for truth elsewhere. Being mentally ill is okay. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That, that's not the part that gets me. <laughs> it's the it's the uh, it's perform it's the performance uh, it's the refinement of performance, and so I'm measuring against my own ide- my own ideals, and it's it's craziness, but it's it's interesting, and it's just practice. Golf. <laughs> I can't believe you'd say golf. <laughs> Just for your information, it is golf, so go ahead. <laughs> Oh, it's a it's a it's a very positive thing. I, there's nothing not positive about it. Oh, pushing the performance is not problematic either. But it's the, every place is an opportunity to see how the mind adds complications, proliferations, elaborations, loses touch with the six things that are happening over and over again, and to be so anything that you do. But for all of that, it's, you don't need to... It's the best show in town is right here and now, in your own life, in your own mind, if you hold it that way. Because I, I think at some future date, that would be a great... Probably for a lot of people in here, that sounds like a really great thing. Because like as, a, as an artist or a musician or people who make things, which oftentimes a lot of us are, we struggle with the difference between like the Western mind of like achieving and doing your best yes. and some of the stuff. And so, yeah. I'll just say that do your absolute best. I think it's in our nature to want to refine and develop and to do our best and to grow and all of that. But the point, that the place that we miss is that we tend to live in the, in the goal, in the end, and miss the process. And, and that's why I often say just first things first, let's stay where we are. And then just have fun. Even with your, even with your suffering, if it's possible. Linda, please. I think you'll have the last word. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on the retreat at Spirit Rock, and I was sitting in the meditation hall, and something had happened earlier in the day, which I had found uh, disagreeable. And I was sitting in the meditation hall, 
I want to, re- I want to re- repeat what you... She said she was sitting in the meditation hall on a retreat, and her mind, she was spinning out on, on how something wasn't the way it should be, isn't it? And then she asked herself the question, what is really happening right now? What was really happening? She saw that she was sitting in the, this beautiful place, Spirit Rock, in this affluent place with great food and great comfort and great beauty and, and dredging up all of this aversive material in her mind. Anybody relate to that? <laughs> beautiful. And that's all, that's all the... And what, did, what happened once you noticed that you were doing that and had that reflection? Yeah, once she saw it, as Cindy said before, it, it, all the chatter just seemed less serious. It started to vanish. And so we have this wonderful, wonderful healing, liberating, purifying quality as the very nature of our own mind. Just a matter of taking advantage of it. What you need is here. You are what you are looking for. So let's sit quietly. As Sogil Rinpoche writes, The purpose of meditation is to awaken in us the sky-like nature of the mind and to introduce us to that which we really are, our unchanging pure awareness, which underlies the whole of life and death. In the stillness and silence of meditation, we glimpse and return to that deep inner nature that we have so, so long ago lost sight of amid the busyness and distraction of our mind. So let's wish ourselves well. Deep wish that we all can remember who we are. And a deep wish that all beings everywhere, without exception, can rest in that natural freedom and ease. And And in sharing any of the goodness or the blessings, the benefits of our being together, we we send a deep wish in all directions, above, below, and all around, that all beings can find happiness and peace. And the causes of happiness and peace increasing, that all beings can be free of suffering and the causes of suffering, causes of suffering decreasing. Again, a deep wish that all beings can recognize this sacred happiness, this open secret of our own innate freedom here and now. And a deep wish that all beings can take advantage of the balancing, opening, impartial quality of awareness so that we can meet the joys and the sorrows that inevitably arise in our 
experience that we can meet them with less reactivity, that we can live with ease right in the middle of it all. And a deep wish that our practice tonight and every day and every night can be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all. May all beings realize their true face. May all beings be liberated. So this week's homework, what are you frequently dwelling upon? This is the practice of mindfulness. <laughs>